0: this book is a love story. It's a love letter. It's a poem written to his paramour, which is baseball.
1: Welcome to Dog Eared and Craft, the podcast where we each recommend a book for the other and then play Monday Morning Quarterback. This week, we're discussing the utility of boredom. By Andrew Forbes. Now, this is our, our first nonfiction book, and it's it's essays about baseball. And before we get to them, Jay, why don't you just tell us a bit about the book? So what have you got about Andrew Forbes?
0: Well, Phil, the utility of boredom is ostensibly about baseball, or rather the impression and feelings that the author, Andrew Forbes, who incidentally was born in Ottawa. And I guess he lives in Peterborough, now Ontario. His experiences from his enjoyment of the sport as a spectator, not a player. And uh, it's a series of essays ranging from his experience in selling a CD to a player, from sitting in the stands, watching a game involving his family, and just the highs and lows of following the sport that he loves. Andrew Forbes has written film and music criticism. He's done liner notes, sports columns, and some short fiction. He's been nominated for the Journey Prize and appeared in, in a large number of publications.
1: I'm surprised. I realized that I've never asked you this, but do you actually like baseball? Because I realized as I was reading through the book also that, you know, it's not only about baseball, but it also... You know, it says right up front that one of baseball's essential characteristics is is that it's boring sometimes. And I thought, you know, like I sometimes listen to three games a day during the summer when baseball was being played. It's kind of like a it can be a kind of constant in my life. And I actually appreciate that sort of aspect that it's not exciting all the time. But but that's me. So like Jay, do you actually like baseball? Is it something you have any interest in?
0: I'm not surprised you actually recommend it to me because I do know that you have a, a love of baseball yourself. So it's something that I've really uh, always struggled to enjoy. It's a sport that um, I've always been interested in, in understanding why it's so exciting. It's a sport, which I find is full of the most uh, completely full of name dropping. It seems like it's a sport of statistics and It's something that arguably, though, where I'm struggling a little bit with this is that I don't think that the author has really made any case that baseball is boring. In fact, I think it's kind of the opposite, because when he writes his essays, you're really struck by his excitement and his engagement in that sport. So on the one hand, he talks about, and this is the essay on the utility of, uh, of boredom and he's talking about baseball in particular. And he's talking about this idea that it forces, similar to what you had said, but he says it's an exercise in concentration and a chance to train the brain to ignore the echoes of other forms of entertainment or offering easier enticements. But he never really explains the value of doing so. And then he just contradicts himself by saying that awareness of possibilities uh, which I assumed he means things like games that can be won or lost, players that can be traded, that it tempers the dullness. But again, it doesn't really address the utility of voluntary adopting a state of boredom. So when you feel, when you say that you find the sport boring, I'm assuming that means in terms of its duration, in terms of not a lot of action happens.
1: You know, I think when people say baseball is boring, I I don't agree that it is, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, his take is you've got nine innings, you've got 162 games. It would be ridiculous to expect to maintain a level of excitement that whole time. And that I think it's kind of latent in like with every pitch, you don't know what's going to happen next. So in one of these essays, the one where he talks about the Toronto Blue Jays when they go t- in 2015 to the American League Championship Series. He talks about that little throw where Russell Martin is throwing the ball back to the pitcher, like completely routine thing that he has done thousands and thousands of times in his career. And this time it bounces off the batter's bat and just lays there and the runner comes running home. And I think the umpire had said after the home plate umpire that in something like four thousand games in his like, you know, amateur and professional career, he had never seen anything like this. So I think it's that. I think it's that seeming boredom with those moments that just come out of nowhere sometimes, right? It comes up again in the, the one on Ricky Romero, how you could you could and and a couple of times actually that you can have it. You can be at the top of your game. You're in this one on one battle with the hitter. And then sometimes the pitchers will just lose it, and they never get it back, and nobody ever figures out why.
0: One of the difficulties I had with the book was the uh, the name references, the name dropping. Now you had mentioned uh, the ballad of Ricky Romero, which was one of the uh, essays. This, I believe, was a a player who never succeeded like he should have, and I would I would suggest that maybe that essay should never have. Been written as well. Uh, I'll quote Andrew Forbes himself in this. This is his quote from the book: "There is no solid moral purchase to find on the matter of how athletes are disposed of once they're no longer needed. But the hard fact is that there's nothing particularly notable about Romero's story." I read that section and then really scratched my head trying to understand why would he write an entire essay about it then
1: you said something that I think is really interesting and that points out for me a blind spot. So, you know, when, when I read this book, I recognize a lot of those names, right? So when he talked about Yasiel Puig of the Dodgers, you know, I know Yassiel Puig's story and it's amazing. And I actually, you know, I stopped reading at one point, got out my phone and looked up his throw from right field from Puig's first game. Cause I've seen lots of amazing throws by him, but I hadn't seen that one. And with Romero, so, you know, as someone who's followed the Blue Jays, Romero was this big mystery because he was brilliant. And they signed him to this big contract and then he just completely fell apart and never got it back and nobody could ever figure out why. And that was it. He was done. And he seemed like a nice guy and everyone was rooting for him. And so I think... It's it's interesting, like when he says that there's his story is unremarkable. I, I read that as in contrast to, like, we all know what happened to Ricky Romero, but in fact, that kind of thing happens all the time. But if you don't have the we all know what happened to Ricky Romero background, then it doesn't make any sense, right?
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It, it was a difficult essay to, to, um, to read, actually. I mean, I get where where he's going with it. But at the end I, I felt like the conclusion was it was just it's all random.
1: I mean, I think it kind of gets to one of my questions, which is, is is the book actually about baseball? Right? Um you know, I wondered yeah, what you thought about it. Is is it like about something else wrapped up in in baseball essays?
0: I don't know. I don't have a I don't have a very good answer for your question. I mean it it's to me it's it's a book about baseball. It's There's nothing, there's no deep hidden meanings. He tries to create and look for metaphors and tries to understand, kind of tries to relate it to things in life. And it just, it's thin. It's very thin in terms of an argument. He does do a great job of explaining or describing feelings. And so some of the feelings he talks about, uh, about watching a team, make it all the way to the to the um, to playoffs and then losing out in the finals and the desolation and the and the the silence and the feeling of people walking out of the bar walking out of the restaurants where they're where they're watching the game and that kind of um, capturing that was just done done perfectly well
1: because to me it seemed like a lot of it was about loss and aging and adjusting your expectations. Um, and, and and I kind of was thinking about that when you were saying earlier the thing about how you know you have these long stretches where nothing happens and then some potential for something. And I thought that's kind of like life is sometimes, right? Every day is the same and then something happens or, or might happen. Um, so it's, yeah, I was interested because I thought that was one of the... I thought that was a fairly strong aspect of it for me, but not one that was there for you.
0: I like to quote. Uh, I like to quote myself that eighty percent of life is boring, but it's the twenty percent that keeps us coming back. looking at a quote here and I'm going to quote this because I think this kind of sums it up it says but it's also true that we're all Felix in a sense if less wealthy and talented we all carry with us a botly assortment of old decisions and the proof thereof they are written on us sometimes in places we can't conceal we change too and adapt but we continue to live with what we've inscribed on ourselves and on the world we are marked by youth but pulling ever away from it watching it recede behind us. I like that quote because it's really saying that we are kind of the sum of the decisions that we've made. We are the product of everything that has kind of happened to us. And, I, and if there was a theme, that would be one, I would suggest that might be an additional theme to this book because that does come up. The nice part about his essays is that they jump back and forth in time. And it's interesting to see how this sport has just continued with him from the time he was a kid to now to to being an adult.
1: You know, I that that quote that you read kind of dovetails with one that I pulled a, I, I noticed, which was sort of almost like the mirror image of it, and it's in the essay called Marco Scudero Hits a Foul Ball, which I liked as a title because it's an absolutely routine thing that someone would hit a foul ball but it's not routine for him because he catches it, right? Um, and so he describes being at the ballpark. He's 22. He's there with his girlfriend, who he later marries. He's dropped out of Carlton, um, And he says that he's completed a tour of the service industry, written precious little despite the fact that writing is my oft-stated goal and watch the steady parade of friends move away. I know nothing. My goals are vague, my ambitions ill-defined. At this moment, my certainties are few. But one of them is that the woman sitting beside me will save me from aimlessness and drift. You watch. She'll believe in me despite scant evidence to support her hunch. She'll convince me to buy a house in the country, marry me, bear our children. She'll carry me through. Tonight she humors me sitting in a cold, nearly abandoned ballpark, Watching a meaningless minor league game, her head and hands wrapped tight, her butt surely as frozen as mine. She keeps score with a dull pencil. She cheers when appropriate. It's simply another night spent away from our apartment. We could just as easily be in a pub or a restaurant or at a friend's place watching a movie. We are young and childless and we have time to fill.
0: So that, that quote, I remember that. I remember that uh, that description. Uh it would be interesting that this woman who became his wife would be interesting if she did her own little essay as well, because I'm surprised that I guess they met through their mutual love of baseball. What did you come away from that quote? It, like, did it connect with you on a personal basis?
1: <laughs> we, I get, yeah, it did. Because I, many, you know, for many years being the person who's done little writing, despite the oft stated goal of, being a writer. And um, and I do remember being that age and having pretty much that same feeling, although by 22, we were already married. Um, and And I just thought it was like a nice counterpoint to a lot of the rest of the book, which seemed to be about, not about like, Oh, your dreams are gone, and but just the, but the normalness of life, you know, that and, and and how some of it seemed to mirror baseball. And I one thing I, I'm curious about is: were there any essays that you actually enjoyed that stood out for you?
0: Uh, there were a couple, and I don't uh, I don't recall the names. I believe one was called Summer, um, and it was talking about again this idea of defining um defining the seasons using them kind of comparing the seasons and his and his love for baseball and and it was there's an interesting passage in there about how he likes the idea of the seasonality with the sport this kind of regrowth rebirth in the spring and how he kind of sets his his uh his enjoyment in life by it and it's an interesting um it's an interesting chapter. I mean, the book itself, I mean, admittedly, it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite book. Um, and we'll get to the scoring in a, in a bit. But there were some chapters there that were very descriptive. But I felt like what I wanted from the book was the ability to at least to learn how to at least to gain more insight into why people love the sport. And all I got was really a description of someone talking about how much he loves the sport without actually really explaining why. And maybe that's my fault in reading it. I didn't understand what he was trying to say, but I uh, kind of felt like there was the name dropping um, was driving me kind of crazy for a bit.
1: So you've mentioned this a couple of times. So what's the what's the deal with the, the name dropping? There's
0: well, so this is an interesting question because if you didn't catch that, that is probably a function that you know these people, right? So if you know the players, you know the teams, you know positions, and you know the actual references that he's making, it's an easier book to read. If you're describing a play, for example, and you start referring to players, then I have to read far more far more uh, closely to understand exactly how that play is working out because I don't know who's playing for who. And there was a little bit of, I noticed there's a lot of um, my limited experience is that this is a sport that, and even I noticed you referenced a few players experiences and things like that. So it's a sport where people just, they drop names. And maybe all sports are like that. I don't know, but I found the book kind of really uh, difficult to kind of get through. In fact, there's one chapter there that just, that's um, complete with statistics basically about who went where and when they, when they came back and what, where they went after that. Um, And it's kind of his reaction to that. So did I have some favorite chapters? There were probably a couple that were, that were good. And probably because, you know, the book, uh, in all is is fairly even, and there's a couple of choppy essays that were really not providing any point there was I wasn't clear what, what point he was trying to make. I think he was just caught up in his rapturous love for the game and he was just describing how great something was that's fine um, but as a reader it's it's difficult to kind of get that consistency
1: i am I am a believer in you know, making things accessible and having as many people as possible enjoy them, right? And so it it kind of points to my, not my, maybe my bias or my inability to see beyond that. So because that aspect of it that you're describing hadn't really occurred to me, and I couldn't take myself out of myself and imagine, I guess, I wasn't able to imagine what it would be like to read it if you didn't know any of those names.
0: Yeah, there's 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 like there's popular cultural popular cultural references and then there's there's sports references and if you don't understand the sports references, they're challenging.
1: So on our rating scale of 1 to 5 where 1 means you're pre-ordering Andrew Forbes's next book and maybe his entire back catalog, and one means you'd rather listen to the collected works of Hall and Oates. Where does, uh, where does the utility of boredom come in?
0: Well, I I have to rate this a two. Um, and I apologize to Mr. Forbes and to you and to all baseball enthusiasts out there. Um, I thought for a book that's 150 pages, it was probably about 160 pages too long. <laughs> so that
1: two seems high.
0: Well, well, how would you have written? How would you have rated it?
1: Oh, I like, you know I liked it a lot. I'd probably give it a a three and a half or a I'm not sure a four a three point seven five.
0: <laughs> well, how would you change it? Like I know you don't like to play uh, Monday morning quarterback on this, but if you if he had had the ability, if he had come to you first and said, how would you change this book? Is there anything I can, you know, I'd really be grateful if you'd let me know. In fact, if he had said to you, I will give you a thousand dollars for every change that you make, how would you have changed the book?
1: I did find, I think I would have suggested, um, I think I would have suggested expanding some of the essays and dropping some of the shorter ones, which are not much more than just an observation. Um, there's a few that were just, you know, they felt like listening to the, 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 the deep cuts on our final record or something. We're, we're getting through like songs two and three on side two before they, they, they try to finish strong. So I, I, I think some of those. I mean, the essay is a, it's a difficult format, but I think, uh, I think I would have maybe pushed him to either go a little deeper with some of those short ones or. Expense some of the longer ones and listening to you I maybe would have well I don't know I mean I suspect that this book was always going to be for baseball fans so I don't know if making it more accessible would have helped his sales or not because you know you look at that cover it's like an old-timey it's a lot like the book itself it's a kind of romanticized view of baseball right
0: yeah that's a great way to put it it's a romanticized view yeah
1: and and he does get into the undersides. I mean, he talks about a fan being beaten up, and he talks about misogyny, and but it is a very rom- still a very romantic view of the game.
0: It is, and I guess in fairness, I was looking, and I I actually agree with you now that I don't think it's a it's a book for baseball fans. So I don't. While I selfishly would have preferred or liked if he had. Put a little more descriptive, instructional notation in there on on what he's talking about. That would have been kind of um, su- su- just just annoying for the baseball fan. Uh, the one thing, though, I think in terms of maybe we're, maybe we're being too hard on Forbes, but this this um, idea of continuity of theme he doesn't he doesn't really explain. To me, again, I, I I think he fell short on on this ex- explanation of why baseball is a boring or is is boring, and yet there's utility in that. So I don't know. I'll, I'm going to stick with my two. Uh, you know, and I I do that because I I, I believe it's well written for the most part. It's just it just I was the wrong audience, and I think that's part of what we're trying to achieve with this podcast is just really get each other out of our comfort zones.
1: I was going to say now I feel kind of slightly bad for recommending it because I thought you would pull out some more of the, like, you know, pull out pull out more of the theme kind of stuff. But I think I didn't realize that, you know, when when you laughed and said it really is about baseball. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah.
1: I think I was thinking baseball as a metaphor for, but it actually, you're right. I think that actually really it that there are those elements, but it really is about baseball and his, and his love of baseball.
0: Yeah. I mean, he does, in fairness, he does, he does try and draw in parts of his life and relate aspects of baseball to the life of an individual, whether it be him or his wife or child or, or you or I, and I respect that. I I like what he's trying to do and he's trying to draw comparisons and your quote earlier quote about the batters um, waiting in line, so to speak. And the fact that, you know, these lucky hits become even more unlikely as time goes on. And I like how he's really trying to compare that to, to life and, and to how we kind of grow um, and we live our lives and ultimately what that, and what ends up becoming of those
1: All right. Well, I think we have exhausted uh, the utility of boredom.
0: (laughs) I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think so. It's time to retire it to the shelf. I'm happy you recommended it. I'm happy to have read it. Um, Not something that is going to have a lasting impression on me though, regrettably. All
1: right. Well, we'll see what kind of lasting impression uh, the conquest of happiness has.
0: Well, that one is a page, uh, page turner, turner, as you know, and I believe that next podcast will be very exciting.